Hello, and welcome to another Light Reading Podcast. My name is Phil Harvey. I'm an editor here at Light Reading. I'm Kelsey Zeiser, and I'm also an editor at Light Reading. And I am Frank Cittadino. I am the former CEO of QS Networks and now the Senior Vice President of Edge Services at Zayo Group. Zayo Group. Now, wait just a minute, Frank. Uh, by the way, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> um, but wait just a minute. Um, uh, so you were CEO of QoS Networks. I've talked to that company before, and you, I think before we go any further, you need to explain what what that company did and how long ago you joined uh, Zayo Group. Yeah. Uh, so QoS Networks was a managed service provider. We were focused on uh, SD-WAN deployment um, and management. Um, and the differentiation for QoS was a software layer that we built to improve uh, observability, control, and management of SD-WAN, heavily based in AI. So I spent a lot of time in managing large, complex SD-WAN networks on a global basis. Um, grew the business over a period of about five years. Um, it was approached by Zayo in 2021 um, to be acquired and uh, looked, uh, Zayo was looking to uh, get into SD-WAN, looking to do it with someone who had enterprise experience. And, you know, three or four months later, uh, we had a deal put together. And in January of 22, we uh, exited and sold the business to Zayo. And I joined Zayo as the senior vice president of uh, Edge Networks or Edge Services. How does the, um, uh, well, first of all, congratulations, because that's been a pretty recent uh, uh, undertaking. Um, I assume things are going well because you're talking. You're talking to us now. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, the uh, the process of using AI, uh, you know, to as kind of a layer to look deeper into networks. Um, how does that apply to what Zayo is doing? Yeah, and it's a great question. So Zayo traditionally was, um, you know, large bandwidth pipes to large customers and really followed the multi-cloud expansion movement, um, connecting kind of the big data centers around the country. And that worked really well for a lot of years, you know, 46 acquisitions to put together a really strong fiber network. Um, But Zayo then kind of looked at the market and said, you know, how do we help enterprises more? We did really well with these large data centers, but how do we really take advantage of the enterprise? And it really came into, we want a robust edge strategy. Um, And to help customers deliver, you know, the application experience from the cloud that we already connect down to the edge. And so looked for an edge company, eventually found QoS. Um, But in the question of AI, you know, one of the things that Zaya was looking for was how do we not just arrive at the edge, but how do we find a company that's got, you know, a next generation software platform that'll help customers consume, you know, SD-WAN today, sassy kind of in the near future, right? And then what's coming next, right? AI-driven WANs, right? How do we get into managed services in a very robust and scalable way? And I think AI drives a lot of scale. So, you know, we were a year ago more foundational in AI. We've spent a lot of time over the past year becoming, you know, I would say more towards experts, right? Into the more of the advanced stages of AI, um, and now we really use a lot of it to help us manage networks better. And I think that's the basis of our podcast today. Mm-hmm. And I believe um, QoS also had an AI ops um, service that was another one of the, uh, you know, kind of benefits that you brought into Zayo for, and I hear that 
the AI ops term um, quite a bit, but for those who might not be as familiar with it, can you explain what AI ops is, uh, why it's important, and uh, you know what what Zao's approach is to that? Yeah, so AI ops basically, you know, it's a holistic approach to address, you know, IT operations challenges as a whole, right? Not a point by point, or I would say a deterministic system. And really, is it's an operations pipeline that's built on cross-domain analysis and data management. So what we do is is we take different domains, routing domains management domains. We take all those domains together. We surface up that information. We correlate against it, turning everything into events. So uh, when we get all these information feeds, we turn them into events. And then the AI piece is to look at those events, run correlation against them, and then pick out prescriptive correlation patterns to say, this is what we have now correlated. This is what we think the root cause is. This is what we think is going to fix it. So that's how we put together cross-event streams. When uh, when you're talking about a, a, a correlating multiple events, what what would be an example so folks can kind of put this into uh, you know can kind of imagine it? What would be an example of a network event that they would uh, that, that would require AI to kind of surface what was going on? Yeah, so a lot of times what happens in in SD WAN networks is we have went from a hardware driven model to a software driven model, and so the amount of data that's being collected from the SD WAN has gone up dramatically over the past five years. When we had routing events, we would have something go down. Now, because we're looking at the the services so intelligently, and we're taking feeds from SNMP API logs. Right and, and and other sources, traps, web hooks. We have five, six, seven, eight different sources of data, all giving us some similar but a little bit different information. And so a good example of this would be a large customer that has latency in a certain spot of the country. They're not down, but it's very hard to pinpoint between an MPLS network, their internet connections, who is it, what's down, what's the most com- what's the least common denominator. So in, in that, you know, Phil, the one key thing is, is the topological analysis, which starts with, you know, understanding of the infrastructure topology to then drive events from each one of those devices in five or six different, you know, domains. So it has a lot of complexity. Yeah, it does. And, and, and I guess, and, and what's, what I like about the sound of that is that we're going to a way that sort of still embraces the, or, you know, we're not stepping back, uh, to a single service, single network, you know, single point of, uh, you know, identifying, uh, failures or pro- network problems or whatever. It's like, no, we, we have to, we have to find ways to untangle this stuff, even if it does, uh, temporarily look a little confusing to the service provider. Yeah. And it's the shift from monitoring to network observability. And I think that's a big shift that a lot of customers are struggling to understand the nuance of what is monitoring versus observability. And observability is a property, not a state, of how we view and think about our network in a normal basis versus what's going on in a non-normal basis, where monitoring says, something's wrong, help me fix it. Observability is like, hey, I'm understanding that the network health is X today, and I can still improve it incrementally, even though nothing is traditionally broken. Is the, um, uh, you know, because your description of Zao in the, in the beginning was was kind of what I still think of when I think of Zao is uh, a company that is uh, 
acquiring fiber assets all the time, building between data centers. But mostly I, th- I thought of them as, a, as a, a big time acquirer of fiber networks and an optimizer of fiber networks. You know, they were, they were really good at um, buying up underappreciated assets, hooking them into, you know, their, their larger network. And then suddenly, you know, like the network effect, you know, making those things more valuable. Does it say something about that, about the company that they've gone into, you know, looking harder at the software layer and what was the, uh, what was the business reason that sort of drove them there as far as, uh, you know, their service providers and their enterprise customers are concerned? Yeah, that's a great question. So uh, approximately two and a half years ago, Zaya was taken private from a public company by Digital Bridge and EQT. Um, and, and you're exactly right. We were 46 acquisitions of traditional fiber assets building a strong network. And so as that market started to mature, right, you'll see over the next two and a half years, we have done um, only one fiber acquisition in the past two and a half years. Okay, so that slowed down dramatically. Um, we brought in a new leadership team. With that leadership team, the focus then became is how do we drive value creation to our customers beyond the fiber asset? Um, and so we started to think about, well, Zayo started to think about at the time I wasn't here, but Zayo started to think about, right, how do we drive incremental value to the customer? And the, the theory of which, you know, I spent a lot of time working with, you know, our CEO, Steve Smith, and our former chief product officer, Brian Lillian, which was our edge core to cloud theory. Uh, when I came into Zayo, it was still, how do we deliver big bandwidth? And what I've challenged Steve on and our team is, how do we deliver a holistic value-driven experience to our customers? And we have a great edge strategy today. We have arguably one of the best networks in the United States, right? Um, and then we have you know 400 cloud on-ramps. And how do we then take the life of a packet from you know, the edge as we define it is where our end users consume an application or the digital experience is delivered. And that edge can be very transient, right? Of people working in different spots, airplanes, cars, whatever you want to name it. But wherever that digital experience is consumed is our edge. And then how do we take that, get it onto our network, observe it with our observability platform and then deliver it to the cloud and vice versa. So I've been uh, a change agent here driving kind of that thought process. And I think Zayo's done a really good job of embracing it. And uh, has your, maybe we can talk a little bit more about um, what Zayo's new edge strategy is and, and how multi-cloud fits in with that. Uh, and also, um, you know, with the so many people working from home, but also going back to the office a little bit, has that changed your edge strategy or has that changed um, the way in which you're working with your customers on their approach to the edge? Yeah, it's a fantastic question. So I'll hit uh, multi-cloud first. Uh, the determination of our whole strategy is based off multi-cloud network demand. Um, we have based kind of our edge strategy around how we're going to deliver services to multi-cloud, which is very, very important for us. There's multi-cloud, there's cross-cloud, right? And so, you know, we partnered with AWS and Azure and Google, right? We deliver network to all of them on a fiber basis, and we connect them at very high capacity from the core all the way down to the edge using CloudLink today, which is a Zale product. Um, but, but. Bigger than that, we have just taken the QoS and we're starting the project to take the QoS observability platform and add it into the Zayo telemetry network. So we kick that off. So customers are going to get a very rich analytics experience from the edge all the way to the cloud. So 
and then into cross cloud. So the, the, the key determination there is very easy fabric like services from the edge spun up on demand is exactly what we're shooting for. Um, as you guys know, our CEO is formerly from Equinix. A lot of uh, different Equinix people here who they had a great fabric. Um, and so not that we want to rebuild a fabric, but what we want to do is be a, uh, a more neutral interconnect for large customers and large operators to use our network assets. So that's multi-cloud, big proponent, big believer. Okay. That makes sense. In the, in the, uh, your def- definition of the edge, I thought was interesting the, the where a consumer or someone consumes an application or a digital experience, um, how is that, uh, you know, putting pressure on, uh, like say service provider networks or other, uh, customers of yours and how do you sort of, you know, is, is it always just, is it always just a, uh, uh, a bandwidth thing because, you know, a lot, a lot of our edge problems initially were just caused by, you know, not enough broadband in certain locations. Um, but it sounds like, you know, it sounds like from from your experience, it's the type of broadband as much as anything, or the quality of of, of the connection. Yeah, so it's um, you know it's it's a great question of you know when we start to think through um, broadband speed, there's multiple different phases or dynamics of how we think about internet, and different applications are sensitive to different things. And so, capacity years ago was a proxy for better quality. Um, and that, that is changing a lot with SD-WAN, right? Now we have to meet clients in different ways. And the reason it's digital experience, um, right, or application consumption is sometimes we're delivering an experience to a customer in a digitally connected store, right? We walk into a public storage and we want high digital connections, and that's delivering an experience to an end user. They don't know they're consuming an app. Whereas a user sitting there, you know, I may consume Salesforce during the day and I know I'm working in the Salesforce program, right? So it's either one of those, which is very key. Right. And I think the big change is our remote access strategy. And so the big difference here at Zeo is, is, is we have a remote access uh, strategy that's not based on VPN, that's based on delivering SD-WAN-like services to uh, the mobile user. And so of course, the pandemic may have accelerated this a little bit. We were a firm believer before, but we look at this and say, how are we dri- driving a service to cust- to people who are transient, moving around a lot, different internet connections, you know, using wireless? If we looked at where all of the investment for broadband has gone over the past 10 years, Phil, you've done a lot of coverage on Wi-Fi 6, 5G, yeah. 4G, you know, Wi-Fi offload. And it's been very little of, hey, we created this new fiber transistor that does something new and trick. It's just been faster, right? Line rates have gone up, but there hasn't been anything really new. And so mm-hmm. the the market's moving towards the transient nature of the workforce. And Zale's got a remote access strategy based on um, you know, software that goes on laptops or you know, mobile devices that improves experience no matter where the user's at. Yeah, with fiber, it seems like it's been more. The story has been all about accessibility. You know, you either have it or you don't. How how quickly can you get it? What's the funding mechanism that's going to make that happen, and so on and so forth. But yeah, every other thing that every other innovation that's come through, as far as bandwidth is concerned, especially to end users and enterprise users, is all about location. You know, how can I get the same kind of connection and the same kind of services in every environment on every device? 
And that sounds kind of trite now, but I mean, it really does. You know, those of us who travel, especially when we all get together at trade shows and stuff like that, you know, we all want to hear what our colleagues are thinking and what problems they're seeing in the, and, and what, and, you know, and all that stuff. And in, in, invariably we run into, I would say layers of connectivity problems. Sometimes it's just pure connectivity itself, you know, a bunch of people in one place, that sort of thing. But more often than not, it's that the applications don't behave themselves <laughs> when you when you get into those scenarios, you know, when you get multiple radios and multiple phones and stuff like that. It just doesn't work like it does when you're at home or when you're at the office connected to fiber. And so, yeah, I, I, it's it's become, I guess, more and more obvious lately how um, how important that is, because so much of uh, you know, well, what we do in publishing, but I mean, I think what a, what a lot of other uh, businesses are now doing is so um, deadline driven, whereas before it was more, uh, you know, did we sell it or not? <laughs> and and now that more now that there are more services and more uh, more products that are delivered on an on on demand basis or real time basis, the the deadlines are always on. And unfortunately, the mechanism for delivering against those deadlines sometimes is, you know, maybe not. Um, so anyway, that's a, I, that you're, uh, that was a long way of just saying, I think you're right, Frank. You <laughs> yeah. The, the amount of work we do between eight and five, uh, has changed now that, now that people are more transient, right? I work more hours than I did before, but I work a little less between eight and five. Um, you know, so I'm working at different hours, Right, because I be, I'm enabled to become more productive outside of the office. So when my my kid has to go ride a horse, I take her, but I work until six seven, and that's a trade off that I can now make. And I think a lot of the world really enjoys that trade off, but it puts a tremendous stress to your question on service provider networks and the wireless connectivity to those service provider networks. So, you know, a remote access strategy is going to be key to continue to onboarding customers onto the service provider network. Yeah. And um, slightly different, I, I guess, switching gears just a little bit, um, was reviewing your um, article um, that you wrote uh, on SD-WAN and uh, you know, earlier we talked about, I, I thought that was interesting, your description of monitoring versus network observability. How do you feel like SD-WAN, is that improving visibility into the network for your customers over MPLS? And um, what what kind of trends are you seeing of late with uh, SD-WAN? Yeah, so SD-WAN is, is interesting because it breaks apart um, kind of your control plane of how you control the network, your data plane of how the information and packets move, right? And then the management plane, which is how you observe that network. Um, and so it breaks it apart. So it allows you to observe each one of those separately um, and use them to your advantage. So the good thing about SD-WAN is it's now software-based, right? Where routers were hardware-based. Um, and because it's predominantly got a cloud, all of them have a cloud controller. We have very robust APIs into them. So we get a lot of network information out of, of the SD-WAN. And so what happens is, is now we use that. And because SD-WAN is application-based, we're looking at application health as a proxy for network health, not network health as a proxy for application health. So that kind of switched a little bit. Um, what allows us to do is understand what is my healthy normal, A, uh, and then B, if my healthy normal is not here, 
How do I get to better than healthy normal? Because a lot of the times our app, our networks don't go down, they become more resilient, but they're not performing perfectly or good enough for the application. So, you know, we are in what we call here at Zeo an application application centric network model. So the way we build products at Zeo is application centric management and network builds. And so we look at that application and how do we improve that instead of saying, you know, how do we just build a high capacity network? So that's the thought process. And then from there, we take in massive amounts of data into our data lake and we run a lot of AI against it. it um, last uh, last question, and then I think we, we need to wrap up. But uh, they, when you when you refer to, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of my questions are, are sort of a revolve around clarity, but just so that we're clear, when when you're referring to running AI on a data lake of uh, of you know uh, network data, um, to what degree uh, you know is that uh, uh, is that AI? I mean, you know, like how 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 do you all define it, or do you have like a uh, a standard way of looking at? what's what's running itself versus what process you know we're running and how quickly it learns and that sort of thing yeah so we do we have uh, five major concepts in ai um, that we look at and it starts with topological analysis of understanding topology um, and the second thing it goes into is event management or an anomaly detection right we take events from the network and um, data feeds from a bunch of different places, as we discussed earlier. But the thing we're doing here that is really interesting is automated pattern discovery and prediction. So that's where the AI starts to jump in in more business terms, right? And I'm not going to get into AI ML, you know, detailed terms in here, but you know, our automated pattern discovery and prediction is very key to how we understand networks. And then from there, we jump into the probable cause determination. So we're picking out correlation patterns based on what we're learning and correlating things from the topology where we may have a site in Florida that went down that's actually affecting a site in Texas from all these events. So we've been begotten very good at, you know, looking at, you know, uh, correlation patterns driven in AI. And then we get into probable cause determination. And from there, we recommend a hot fix or a fix to the network. And where we're going now, Phil, is to deploy those things in real time using automation. So we're actually driving self-healing networks. And so to do that, you need to be able to control traffic flow end to end, which is very supportive of our edge core cloud theory. Because um, we control and bookend every step of the way. So now what we can deliver is, you know, an AI-based routing profile that actually enhances latency, pack, and loss for and jitter, which what was my vision of why I agreed to sell the company to Zeo is because we can handle, we can now do that and we can handle those those things at scale, which is really exciting for me to continue to kind of build here at Zeo. Um, the platform is fantastic, the network's fantastic, and we're it's a lot of greenfield opportunity here. So it's really exciting. That's great. Well, we will continue to uh, uh, keep up with what you're doing there and how Zao itself is evolving. It's it's a pretty exciting, you know, group of companies anyway. The Digital Bridge, uh, Bridge is it Bridges or Digital Bridge? Yeah, Digital Bridge. Um, it, it, Mark Anzi runs Digital Bridge, um, yeah. and they are very exciting. They've picked up Switch. They've picked up um, DataBank, Zao. You know, there's several, yeah, there's several different companies out there. So if you look at the bet that Digital Bridge is kind of making here, it's that internet's going to get big and it's going to continue to be a key piece of what 
I think people interoperate with around the world. And I, I'm happy to make that bet right along with Digital Bridge because I believe that that same theory. And so interesting uh, asset mix. And they're, they're continuing to grow and they're a really exciting partner to, to be around because they understand our space really well. Yeah, we'll de- definitely keep an eye on it. Uh, uh, Frank uh, Cittadino, thanks so much for uh, for your time today. And we'll uh, we'll talk later. Thanks, Phil. Thank you, Kelsey. Yeah, thank you. 